My name is Nicholas Nicario, and you're listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey, everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. What's going on, motherfucker? And just in case you haven't figured that out, we are looking at a film that makes you want to smoke cigarettes and call everyone motherfucker. Uh, we're talking about Miles Ahead. And do a shitload of cocaine. And and right there, I think everybody that listens to the show, their hearts just like stop and like, what? <laughs> what Miles Ahead? What does that have to do with fantasy, sword and sorcery, weird fiction, or any of that shit? Well, it's definitely a fantasy. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, of it sorts. It was. <laughs> um, now, Miles Ahead, what was that, 2015? Yeah, it was last year, I think. It was last year, 2016? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, film written, directed, and starring Don Cheadle. Well, yeah, it helped with the writing, but yeah, more or less. Yeah. It was his directorial debut. It was. It was. And and essentially Don Cheadle just became Miles Davis. He did it he did a good job. Um I'm going to just come off right and full disclosure. I love Miles Davis. <laughs> There's very few things musically that Miles Davis has ever done that I find fault in. Mm-hmm. Um he, I'm wearing a Miles Davis t-shirt right now. I I he's one of my my idols. Um, artistic idols. Bertha Cool. That's the old shit, uh, motherfucker. Yeah. He was he was a genius as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'll fight you. <laughs> no, I was gonna actually take that one step further. There's there's the uh, you know tears in the music industry. You have you have suit stars, superstars, legends, and you know, and Miles and, Davis, and then Miles Davis. Miles Davis is a music god. Miles Davis was one of the few people um, that was able to reinvent himself whenever he felt that he was becoming obsolete. Always, always going forward. Always change it up. Um, you know, there's, and he never, he, he's. He seems like he was the kind of guy who never like compromised mm-hmm. um, in his music. Now, I'm not going to say collaborated because that's different, but he right. never compromised. And that's one of the themes of this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other person I can really think of um, in, in pop, quote unquote, pop music that mm-hmm. um, did so was Neil Young. Was another yeah. one who, who just reinvented himself whenever he felt he was being obsolete, but you know, Neil Young worked in rock and roll and country and folk music, which doesn't have as much uh, prestige as we won't call it jazz. We'll call it um, social music. Social music. That's right. It's America's classical music. So with that in mind, take everything that comes out of my brain today with a grain of salt because it's definitely going through some uh some worship filters mm-hmm. <laughs> well i think i think one of the interesting things about this film and i read some of the like amazon reviews and, and stuff like that where people really didn't quite understand what was going on and you know yeah the main part of the story 
you you really have you have three sections of the story. You have the bookend pieces, which are a legitimate interview Miles Davis is doing. Then you have young Miles Davis and his in the story of him meeting his first wife. Yeah, not, I don't think that was his first wife. I think that was his first wife. You would know more than I would. Yeah, well, I, I've tried to stay away from biographical material mm-hmm. on Miles Davis just because I don't want you don't you don't want him to you don't want the man I don't with want the golden be, horn to be I don't want him clay. to be to be honest. well yeah exactly because because Miles like I said is is a god of music um and then you have a third piece which is a completely fictionalized almost caper kind of story going on right and and I had mentioned that I was a little. Um, I was surprised, taken mm-hmm. aback by uh, – it wasn't what I was expecting with this movie. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I remember you saying that in, in the discussions um, prior I, to the recording. What were you expecting? I was expecting something less fantastic. Mm-hmm. You were expecting something more, maybe more, more along the lines of Bird? Yeah, something a little bit more biographical. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not – I, I, I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. I like this movie. It just, it just, uh, it, it threw me a curveball or a, a left hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't expecting what it was, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I think it did a really good job of ca- capturing the essence of uh, Miles Davis without mm-hmm. without having to be bogged down with factual detail. Right. Right. <laughs> And I, I think what we have here, I mean, Cheadle did a lot of research into Miles Davis. I mean, there's a YouTube video that I was watching the other day where there's he's a linguist and a vocal coach uh, talking about actors who portrayed famous people in films. And he singles out Don Cheadle as like nailing the Miles Davis's voice, vocal mannerisms, even even to the point of like physical tics. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've seen you side by side video of Miles talking and Don Cheadle is Miles, and it's pretty spot on. But what we have is, you know, you have that kind of biographical thing, which would have been a well done movie by itself. And then you have this this fantastical, almost mythologized Miles Davis uh, in the in the caper section with with uh, Ewan McGregor as a not quite Rolling Stone writer uh, and the theft of his new demo tape and all this other stuff. And they, they're snorting Coke and drinking booze and, and shooting guns at people. (laughs) It is. And, you know, watching the previews and, and I was expecting a straight drama. Yeah, that's that's what I thought we were going to get. I thought we were going to get like a slice of life. Miles right. Davis maybe passes prime, but mm. still, but yeah. still, you know, um, positive. And mm. there was a lot about the portrayal of, of Miles Davis that was less than stellar um, in portraying his character. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't. He, one of the reasons why I try and avoid 
the, the biographical information is because I don't want that. Right. But, you know, there, there you go. Um, they all, all your idols have lead shoes. Yep. Very much so. And uh, he certainly did. I mean, he was, they portrayed him as a man of, of no self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, a man who, who was definitely a slave to his passions. Yes. And um, a man who, who, whose ego possibly outstripped his, uh, not his abilities, but his uh, ability to function. Right. Well, I mean, you know, he was Miles Davis, and and he had the ego to back it up, you know. But the the really cool thing, though, about about the film is the way they set it up is, you know, well, he's doing the legitimate interview in the bookend segment. And they say, well, why don't you tell the story? And he picks up his trumpet, and he starts to play a note. And then we go into the 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 crazy story. And so, and when when you get to the other bookend, you realize that this is not you know the the history or or factual information. This is the song that Miles Davis played during that interview as his version of the story. Right. So you know it's kind of this is this is what came out of that trumpet. Right. In and. Really, the movie itself is is timed and it's paced very much like a Davis composition where you have like quieter moments and then it just goes balls to the wall and then slows down again. But, um, yeah, I was surprised at how funny it was. Yeah, there was there were some some moments, you know, just just Miles's attitude and like come upstairs you know, come on up here. So you want me to go upstairs? That's why I said, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> You're going to be driving me around. You ain't going to be dressed like that. That's right. <laughs> Can you drive? Can you drive, motherfucker? Yeah, so so uh, yeah, so you get this regretful Miles Davis who who's, uh, dwells on the past because I don't think he really sees a future for himself. No, he's he's stuck. Yeah, you know, he's, he's in this kind of like he's in this kind of exile. Um, you know, the record company, is, Columbia Records, is be, you know calling him. Uh, you know, they want the new material. They want the new material. He's under contract. They're trying to lean on him to get this tape. And and Miles is, you know, he's when we first see him, he's just listening to certain sections of the tape over and over and over and he's trying to capture something well yeah he's dwelling on um that big band period that mm-hmm. he uh that he went through where you have sketches of spain was the big one they mentioned that's right sketches uh, of spain, sketches and, of spain uh, and uh my funny valentine kind of uh, blue but that, but, that was, but that was like part of his uh his pining for his wife um Porgy and Bess was part of that. It was the collaboration he did with Gil Evans. Mm-hmm. And it all ties into his, his, his giving up his wife, basically. Um, because she liked classical music, so he studied classical music. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't feel that he was good enough to do it all on his own, and he did. He collaborated with Gil Evans, and they show that in there. 
where, where he and Gil Evans are are basically writing it as they're going along. Right. That's great. Um, and he he's disparaging on stuff like Kind of Blue because that's and the small combo stuff because that's the that's, old shit. The old shit. Yeah, it's, it's old. But even at this point, Sketches of Spain was old, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he had already gone through cool. He'd already gone through small combo bop. He had already gone through cool jazz. He'd gone through the big band. And he'd even gone through like the fusion stuff at this point because mm-hmm. and they play some stuff from Bitches Brew, right? In there, uh, did they get any on the corner in there? No, and I think that was the the point where he was at. Right, I remember the story about on the corner is like Miles saw Sly and the Family Stone, and said, "This is this is the next thing, and I got to get in on this." Yeah, and you, and you get a little bit of, of that on the end. Of the of the film, and they have the live show mm-hmm. with it's great because it's Herbie Hancock and uh, Paul Chambers are up there yep. playing, uh, who were portrayed by actors younger in the movie. I mean, you get the real guys up there playing. <laughs> it, yeah. it was, I and mean, that was definitely a moment where my jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, we didn't quite get to the doobop. Era, which is the last album Miles did, which was yeah. a hip hop album. Not a big fan of that. You're not a big fan of that one. It's no. it's it's not his best work, but you know it's. I have it because of what it is, which is weird because I own two Miles Davis albums. Oh, three. Sorry, three. I own Kind of Blue. Uh, which on the is, corner, which is funny because that's the one everybody has in the movie. That's right. <laughs> um. Uh, I own On the Corner, and I own Dubop. And it's really cool because the trumpet that he has at the end is the trumpet that he's on the cover of Dubop with. The red one. The red one with the engraving. I don't know if he's used how long he had that trumpet. but um, Now, one of the things I really liked that, that uh, Cheadle did was how he did the scene transitions. And how he played with time. Yeah, it was very comic book like. Yeah, yeah. There was there was scenes that you know somebody would like toward the beginning of the movie where uh, Ewan McGregor is running down the stairs at Columbia Records, and Miles has a flashback, and the flashback ends with somebody falling over. Right. And the scene just like instantly melts, and it's Ewan McGregor on the ground. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Gibbons's work in Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it that's that's one thing you know. I've said it several times talking about books and stuff. Is I enjoy how um, when when time is played with, and time is played with a lot in this film because you know his flashbacks often are superimposed over what's going on. Yeah, the real cool one I thought was the one uh, during the boxing match. Oh yeah, where where, where, where he's leading the- her through the apartment in the in the arena. Yeah, and then eventually you have the uh, combo is in the is on the, in the ring instead in the ring. of the, the boxers. Yep. So you have like the jazz combo, and it's great because they're playing. I I want to say they're playing stuff from uh, Bitches Brew at that point, mm-hmm. and it's really chaotic and really frenetic. And, and the whole action, that that particular scene that's the way it was. There yeah, was- and the action that's going on the screen is just chaos. People are shooting at each other and throwing punches. 
and and running yeah. away. And yeah, there's a lot of jump cuts between the boxers and the the um, audience, and really well done. Yeah, I, I th- honestly I think this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time, uh, creatively and story wise. Yeah, it was a nice it's a nice little uh, breath of fresh air from the crap we've been watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I, I still joke that 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 paycheck is fantastic, but this film uh, is really fantastic. It's, it was a breath of fresh air, not only from the films we've been watching, but a lot of the material we've been reading as well. Is that it's nothing like that? It's such a great departure. Um, and yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you really need to. Yeah, you should. You should. You should. Even if you don't like jazz or Miles Davis or whatever, it's just such a well done movie. Um, it, it, it's got like that old, it's got that old art house kind of feel, but it's got like good production values as well. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like an indie film with a big budget. Yeah, really, it is, and and you have like people, and you have people with names in it: Ewan McGregor, yeah. Don Cheadle. Well, I mean, it's 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 a Don Cheadle joint for sure. Yeah. yeah so um, I would like to see more of Don Cheadle's films when he makes them. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, now, that might not happen because it didn't do very well in the box office, um, which is unfortunate. It is. It is. So I mean, it's not on the streaming services yet. You guys can. I think the DVDs are out, and and maybe Blu-ray. So you guys can go out and, and, and buy this movie and, and let people know. It's like buying books by you know small press lab, um, small presses by independent writers. You know, if it's good, go out, buy it and support this kind of film. Um because it really this type of stuff really needs to be made. And if if you are a jazz head or a Miles Davis fan, you've probably you're gonna seen it. You, you've probably one already seen it. Two, if you haven't, you're going to fucking love the soundtrack. Um, you can get it on iTunes. It's on, available on iTunes. Okay. So uh, it's not on any of like the Netflix streaming services or anything like that, but you can definitely right. get it from iTunes if you're into digital or, or, go to, or go to anywhere where you buy DVDs or Blu-ray and buy it there. Yeah, it's certainly well worth watching. Yeah, and is there a soundtrack for this film? I'm or sure there should be. Um, this is like not, a, uh, hit me up. I'll send you a list of songs they play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Microphones of Madness at Gmail dot com. If you're interested in the score, the soundtrack to Miles Ahead, we'll send you a list of all the songs that were used in the film. I did have like one weird little bone of contention. Uh, it's just an anachronism mm-hmm. kind of thing where um, at the end, he, they had Miles Davis wearing his uh, jacket that said hashtag social music. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I think I was thinking about that myself. And I, I have a feeling that um, Cheeto might have been like this might have been the Miles Davis that survived in the present day. Yeah, possibly. Or he might have been trying to create some sort of um, media buzz for the movie. I haven't actually looked at that hashtag, but 
Miles Davis died well, well before social media started. Uh, Mid eighties, I think. Uh, no, it was the nineties. It was the nineties. Yes, possibly. I can. You know, that's easy to look up. Uh, nineteen ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah. So essentially, late eighties, early nineties. Yep. So, yeah, that kind of irked me a little bit, but I think yeah, it was. I think it was just trying to maybe get that hashtag as part of something. Right. Right. Twitter wise. Something, some, some type of like viral marketing for the film. Yeah, expose it a little bit more. Get people, you know, get a Miles Davis, I guess, you know, community together around this movie, or you know, just get um, people talking. Just yeah, getting people interested in in jazz in mm-hmm. general, because unfortunately, you know, it's not as popular of a of a music as it has been in the past, but. That's me complaining because I'm old. Because <laughs> you're old. But de- definitely check this movie out, Miles Ahead, starring Don Cheadle, Ewan McGregor, and a cast of thousands. Or tens, really. Oh, tens. <laughs> cast of tens. And, and also starring a career retrospective of Miles Davis's music. So until next time. Shake it night, crazy. Night, motherfucker. Night, motherfucker.